0: Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I will be your host, as usual, and uh, some things change, some things don't change. What does change is we've gone from two back to three this week, so welcome back from your holly bobs to Phil. How are you, Phil?
1: I am very well, thank you.
0: Good, good to hear. Um, Hollybobs, people hate me saying that, but I don't care. Did you have a nice time?
1: I had a lovely time, and I also hate you saying holly Bob's. Splendid.
0: I'm glad you <laughs> had a lovely Holly Bob. Um, and We've also got my partner in crime from last week, and uh, most weeks
2: now, it's Mr Jeremy Smith. How are you doing, how are you doing, Jerz? Hi, I'm good, thanks, and I also hate Hollybobs. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I wish you both lovely (laughs) hollybobs when you both go
0: abroad soon. Um, I'm sure listeners are also saying, I hate hollybobs as well. Well, sorry. Right, let's get into it then, because we've got plenty to cover this week. We are going to cover a couple of games in a little bit more depth than the rest. But first, let's go down the scores for the weekend. So, leaving out the games we're going to cover which starts with Friday. So we'll come back to that one on Saturday. We saw Ren beat Montpellier. Oh, that was the rich Phil Derby. Sorry, Phil. Uh, two red cards in that game as well. Terrier and uh, Molle. It was very harsh, Molle, I thought. Um, but mm. goals from... Darren Natalek Natalic with a, a fantastic own goal, has to be said, although brilliant work um, in the creation of it from Rafinha. Um, certain chap called uh, Eduardo Camavinga. You might have heard a bit about him recently. I don't know. Uh, fantastically wonderful solo effort and balance and strength and everything that goes with it. Fantastic winner. Gaetan Labore, Scored a wonderful centre forward header to cut the deficit, but it was too little, too late. Potentially with
2: a huge mask on his face. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah he uh, he
1: was he was full Christy Sinclair there, wasn't he? Um, was, the the woodwork took a bit of a battering in that game as well. Yes, it did. Yeah, it was quite a good watch actually. I had it, it sort of one of those on
0: on the phone in the background, and um, I found myself looking up far more at that than I was doing the thing I was supposed to be doing. But um, yeah, unfortunate for you, Phil, but uh, Ren's uh, Richard's Wren, sorry, march on. So um, good for them. We'll come back to Strasbourg Nice in a minute. Uh, Sunday, Rives nil, Leal one. Uh, Jonathan Bamba scoring his uh, second of the season, two consecutive goals in consecutive games now for him. Um, this was not the best watch. Leal probably should have won by more, but didn't. Um, but yeah, one nil win for Gartier's men. Bordeaux beating Angers by two goals to nil on Sunday. Two goals in a minute. Josh Major from Kishani's knockdown. And uh, Toma Basic, a really technically brilliant goal. I thought this a really, really clever goal. His, his footwork is exceptional to knock in the second. And Bordeaux pretty much sat back and held on to that. And took the points. Um, very good away win for that, given the state they're in at the moment. Um, sorry, Jez, but unfortunately, Mets-Monaco did end in defeat for Mets. Having watched this game, we thought they were slightly unfortunate, to be fair. Uh, Benoit Badia-Chile scoring his second in the season, uh, before Fafana saw red for two yellows. Uh, Mets huffed and they puffed, but they could not blow the house down. Um
2: it's always frustrating when the opposition goalkeeper gets man of the match.
0: Yeah, that, that Lecombe save from, was it Diaz's header? No, it wasn't Diaz, was it? Hazard. Hazard's header, yes, you're right. That was a fantastic save. Don't get it wrong. An element of cameras to it, but the reflexes were um, in full effect, and uh, yeah, very, very good save. That I felt Mets deserved a point from the game, if I'm honest. But sometimes you don't get what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not beat Neem, um, the the Crocs back down to earth with a two-one defeat. Uh, Girotto with the opener before a loser score from the penalty spot. He was then sent off just before half or just after half time. Naughty naughty. Fabio also saw red for two yellows with a minute to go. Uh, Fair hat with the goal back for Nîmes wasn't enough. Unfortunately, could win that for naught. L'Orient, which as we know, the greatest team in France currently, unfortunately, uh, went weren't so great on Sunday. They lost 2-0 to Saint-Etienne, Roman Namuma with both goals in that particular game. Uh, nice tribute from Lorient on, on their Twitter feed this week as they welcome back uh, Kevin Monet Pache to fitness. He came on for Saint Etienne, so it was a nice little love in there. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I hate Saint Etienne because they won. Moving swiftly and,
1: on with and uh, mm, and which talking about things we hate. Mm,
0: yes. Oh, yes, yeah. You, yes, yeah. Yes, I, this, just, I just, I just, I just
1: want a little um, because I didn't see any of those games. Because I've just signed up for Telefoot. Um, You may know that pretty much every year French TV fucks around with the coverage. And this year, um, if you want to watch basically all the games you need five subs so i now have five subs and i have now paid telefoot 270 euros Mm. for a year up front to have lower total cost and the second half of all of the multiplex games on sunday were a black screen blended because they're fucking hopeless and it turns out this was actually the second bug of the weekend and when they When they had the first one, when everything went dark and nobody could see any actual football, um, they actually tweeted out, uh, we're having some technical difficulties, to which the RMC Sport Twitter account responded, "Okay, we're going to work through this together. Can you just DM us your customer number and we can help you out? Which I think tells you a little bit about how bitter this uh, row is at the moment. Uh, So my TV provider does not provide Telefoot because they're arguing with each other. So I had to pay for the online only one, uh, which doesn't work. So Mm. that's absolutely fucking fabulous. Well done, everybody. This is ridiculous. Thank you. And there I will stop. If it makes you feel any better, it's
0: not much better in the UK. Don't get me wrong; we get pictures, but um... yeah, I
1: mean, if you've got Steve McManaman, I you can at least turn the sound off. That's we have true. no pictures,
0: no, which th- are this...
1: fairly fundamental for when you're watching a football match.
0: There's been there's been quite a lot of um, uh, things in the UK. I don't know if you've heard about this as well, Jez, but the uh, BT in particular, who've taken a lot of flack recently, have now introduced a sort of turn on, turn off substitution type package for the season. Given that, um, I think I think. The latest is that UK games are going to be broadcast at three pm while well, there's no fans, and I think they've now come to an agreement on that again. But now you can sort of turn your package on and off because people were saying, "Hang on a minute, I don't particularly want to pay all all season long for watch, you know, Stoke against Brentford um, when I support Arsenal." And we've only got one game on this this weekend now. Nerds like me watch anything that's on, but yeah, it's it's definitely one that is. Um, it's a hot topic shall we say so yeah but,
1: uh, yeah. but you guys can actually see pictures
0: that, that i can't deny that i can't deny although that said even bt's coverage is is not great sometimes <laughs> but yeah
1: but, um... <laughs> but you can see pictures this yeah is, i'm i'm extremely aggravated about this whole thing i don't blame you well so I, I basically hope... the only um, league on football I can uh, reliably watch at the moment is the um, two games around that Ron Canal Plus which is still fucking working um, so yeah I mean hopefully if nothing else
0: you feel better to have it off your chest at least at least you've had a chance to vent, That's that's got to be half yeah. the yeah
1: but I, I suspect this may be, have to be a feature going through the season if they don't sort themselves out because mm. cause t- seriously you're watching a game and then it just disappears. That's really frustrating. Mm.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, it's it's definitely, um, yeah. Uh, th- there's, there's a lot of things that frustrate me at the moment. TV coverage is certainly one. Uh, Twitter <laughs> yeah, is another. Fair, it's,
1: it's fairly long down the list, but seriously, I'm paying for this one. So. Yeah. No,
0: no, fair, yeah. fair point.
1: Twitter is free.
0: But yeah, f- free. Sadly, it's not idiot free, but that's another story for a rainy well, day. Right. Um, I'm going to lean on Jez a little bit for this one, because the three games we want to look at start with Lyon for Dijon 1. Um, I'm going to keep these quite succinct, really, uh, as we go through. But Jez, what I wanted to kind of ask with you on this one is how impressed you were with O.L. Uh, coming from behind um, Schneidler with the opening goal for Dijon before a Memphis Depay hat-trick, including an outrageous piece of skill and balance to um, to sort of usher in the own goal, which was all his making. So it's kind of three goals, one assist, if you like, from Wesley de Toa. Yes, two goals were penalties, but my word, two penalties are the highest calibre as well. Um, what, what were your overall thoughts on, on how Leon performed in this game? And is there a little bit of an element of concern moving forwards? And, and I touch on that because we've heard stories about Jeffrey in Adelaide has come out and essentially said he wants to leave because he's not being played, which seems strange given he's only really just got back to full fitness. Uh, and there's still a lot of talk of, of outgoings, um, who some are being the prime candidate of that one. What, what's your overall thoughts on, on how they performed in this game, Jess, um, and their business that they may or may not be doing at the moment?
2: in terms of the the match itself was um, the first half in particular was was kind of bizarre it was I've rarely seen a team sort of dominate certainly possession wise um, and particularly cornet down the left it was insane how much space and time he was being given by the by the Dijon defense um, yet kind of typically Lyon somehow, Dijon contrived to have pretty much their, their only chance of the half to to take the lead. It was a little bit lucky that, that Scheidler got a second chance, but he finished it well. And then you're thinking, well, it's classic Lyon, are you going to go in behind at the break? And then suddenly he saw three goals in six minutes, which on the balance of play was probably deserved, but also at the same time, I mean, Gomez had a, a brilliant game again, like he did last year against Lyon in goal. But certainly for the a lot of the first half, they weren't carving out great chances. And the crossing, again, from sometimes in Cornet was 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 pretty wasteful a lot of the time. And I actually thought Depay was continuing his quite poor form in general from um that he showed in the Champions League with all the sort of mitigating factors of him coming back from the injury and everything. And then, yeah, just completely changed. I mean, the the first goal was a a penalty which actually probably was created by the fact that Cornet miscontrolled the ball. (laughs) Um, No doubt if he kept control, he'd have come up with an awful cross again. But the fact that he, he couldn't trap it meant it ran away from him. He ran to get it and then he was barged over. Um, Depay took it well and then as you said the, the next couple of minutes first of all fantastic um, sort of Croix turn to, to create the own goal and then brilliant close control and, and sort of mini volley to to, to open up that two goal lead going into half time and then I think second half they just pretty much controlled things so I, I was sort of very impressed and still a little bit wary impressed at the, the level of of control of possession that they had, but still wary because it was Dijon um, and there wasn't uh, enough sort of... Uh, it's silly to say after you've scored four goals, but I just I didn't think they were... Partic- they didn't look particularly clinical in the final third. But still, you know, Depay still got a very well-taken hat-trick. Kakere and Gimoures looked great again in, in midfield. Dembele something's wrong there at the moment, I think. Um, And sort of that leads on to the the transfer talk. And I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Ren Adelaide and uh, Aouar together, because obviously, arguably, if Aouar goes, then it kind of works in Ren Adelaide's favour, because that sort of opens up a space in midfield. Um, I, I can see Ren Adelaide's point I, I kind of a little bit on the fence about it. I, he has, as you said, he has just come back from injury. And even before that, he wasn't an absolute fixture in the side. But I can also understand his frustrations, because I thought at the start of the season, when he got a chance, he did play very well. Um, I think even in these comeback matches, when he's come on, he's really done a good job. I thought in the Champions League, it you know, sort of went under the radar, but really sort of added added to, to Lyon's control or giving them a sort of um, breakout when they were under the course against Man City, for example. So I, I do definitely understand his frustrations. And if what he says is true about sort of you know being assured that he was going to have a place in the centre of midfield and then push to the right and being assured that he was going to go straight into the starting lineup if he worked hard and then suddenly being told, well, actually, you're a player for the future. So... Um, don't rely on a, on a first team place now. If all of that is true, then I do understand his frustrations, and I hope that he doesn't move because I don't think um, he or Lyon would be sort of giving each other enough of a chance to to kind of make it if he goes now after his season was so curtailed by that injury and after showing so much promise in the at the start of his Leon career. But at the same time, I understand the frustrations and it also maybe speaks a bit more of the sort of issues that there still are at the club. And there was, Garcia came out this week complaining about the fact that um, he's got this reputation of not, not giving the youth a chance. And even his sort of justifications or pro- Really I was the one that gave Kakaray a go and everyone was like we've been crying out for Kakaray to have a go for ages and you've only brought him in because you lost Tuzar and had no choice and he's like I'm the only one you know I discovered Cherky and everyone's like we've known about Sherky for years because <laughs> <Just> you <laughs> happened to give him his debut it doesn't really mean that much so I think he's still despite the Champions League run, he certainly doesn't yet have everyone on side and as I've said before, I'm still not absolutely convinced about Juninho as a sporting director and what exactly he's bringing in and what control he's got either. So I think, I still think there's a lot that needs to be sorted out there. A lot depends on whether Dembele goes, whether Oa goes, where they go. I, it was quite amusing yesterday seeing Depay kind of say I never said that I was definitely going to leave and you know I've still got a year here and I'm the captain and we've got a great team blah 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 which to me means yeah no one's putting an offer for me yeah Barcelona can't afford me and therefore I'm going to stay put until
0: exactly a a level a club of that level comes in because for him it's uh it's the same argument of um a completely different player and completely different levels but it's the same sort of issue that the Arsenal having with Matteo Guendouzi is this whole um, he left Manchester United because apparently he didn't cut it so moving from Lyon he's only going to want to step up not sideways and there is only so many clubs you can step up to um, rather than coming back to another club or going back to a club where you know that's on the same level of Lyon if you like and 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 yeah I mean he's I I like him as a footballer I really do Um, I'm not quite so sure about the music, if I'm honest, but um he's a big personality. I just wonder if he's maybe watched a few too many Zlatan um (laughs) highlight reels. And you know, but he is charismatic and on his day he's a talent. And I I was impressed with how Leon came back in this game, but at the same time I thought it still exposed a few of their flaws and a better team than than Dijon. Now fence probably would have you know, if not retain their lead, possibly built on it, and, and like you say, until the half time, or just before half time, they scored at a key time, Leon. I think if they'd have gone in at one nil down, this might have been a a different
2: game. Um, I think but yeah, was, well summed to up to be fair to Leon, it was their first match back after, yeah, game, that which, is true. You know, at least they turned up and didn't have it postponed. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's then, fair. Uh, our, our last minute gets pulled because he's got. Because he's positive for COVID, so it yeah. was slightly disrupted. They played a slightly different formation as well. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just, I think, I just think everyone there, all the people in charge, need to walk a very careful tightrope because last season, let's be fair, was a shit show. Mm. And Champions League, their Champions League run sort of hid that, but yeah. also gives them a feel-good factor. So they need to somehow channel or harness that feel good factor mm. and kind of somehow bring it into this season, which is difficult to do when you know that you're not going to be playing in Europe. So at least two or three players are going to want to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I just think it's a bit of a sort of balancing act for them.
0: Yeah. yeah well said. Well said. Um, Phil, I want to come to you now to talk some must say, um, mm-hmm. because um, this was probably the, the game of the weekend in terms of uh, it, it was just a a bit Chaos. of a bat crazy game. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it was the most end-to-end... I would say it's the most end-to-end league game that I've seen for a long time. And I'm sure I'm skipping several that I've probably seen the last few years, but it felt so open. It was you attack, we attack. I thought brest were really unfortunate not to come away from this without a point. Uh, if Gaetan Chabonnier, um scored more than one, which he yep. really should have, uh, <laughs> yep. that probably would have helped. But um, Florian Toval was back for for Marseille. He scored one and assisted twice, both for Galeta Carr from free kicks, which ultimately got the, the win for Marseille. Uh, Favreau, who was probably the best player for, for Brest on the day, got a, a goal back right on half-time. Uh, Gaetan Chabonnier himself did get a late goal from this game. Um but yeah, aside of me winning a small wager on this particular fixture, it was just nuts, and you just couldn't predict what was going to happen. How yeah. how did you see it? I mean, were you were you more impressed with well, with I,
1: I only saw the second half, by which mm. time I'd been watching um, Mulhalli, uh losing slowly, losing his rag about the passing. Uh, <laughs> accuracy on twitter which which is part of why it was so end-to-end nobody could keep the ball so we just kept going one and then there'd be a break and then they'd fuck it up and then there'd be a break in the other direction so i think um you know on just after the hour mark uh get missed an absolute golden chance and it's like well that's the charbot we know and love obviously i am a Montpellier fan, where he uh, rocked up at some point. I think somebody on Twitter pointed at it, said, you know, he's brilliant in Liga. He's such a goal-scoring machine, and then you get him in Liga, and he's just an absolute, absolute shambles. But he did manage to get, you know, one back right at the end, which I think caused some nerves. But yeah, color if you're looking at, you know. Kalitaka, i think was playing in central defence this time. If he gets two of the goals. Yes, there are free kicks. Toven's back. It's brilliant. But that's a uh, kind of a fine thread to be hanging your hopes on. The one guy who was injured most of last season is back and everything went really well but he was the only one doing anything is not necessarily a sustainable uh, plan. So, you know it was a good win. Marseille fans are happy. turvin's back Calette car was good, but a bit like you know are playing Dijon this was Marseille playing Brest. Mm. so it's uh not necessarily something that you can build uh build a pattern off uh, although it was. Highly entertaining if you didn't weren't actually invested in the game on the grounds so that you didn't know what was going to happen from one moment to the next.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was that was what I sort of took on board from it. I, I thought we we still saw a Marseille side that for me still are going to lack goals, and we'll come on to that point in a second. Um, Dario Benedetto, I don't really feel like they're playing to his strengths at the moment. Maybe that will change when Dimi Paye is back. Uh, there's a few other things to fall into place they're still desperate to do business they're they're trying to get um, Struitman out the door yet he was kind of quite important in the midfield of this game so I mean how that's going to work they brought in Yuji Nakatomo which for me made me smile because I like Nakatomo and and he's an ex-Inter player and you know it's just a fun signing but does he really add too much not really and you just feel like they are still a couple of signings away that said there's, there's a couple of highlights from Bubakar camera playing in midfield again is something to keep an eye on. I think he's sort of that up-and-coming talent. Steve Mondonda has signed another contract which will probably take him to, I believe he'll be 67 at the end of this contract with Marseille mm-hmm. and he'll still probably be in goal for them, bless him. Um, but, you know, jokes aside, he's been fairly consistent the last couple of seasons. Just feel like Marseille are that kind of... You, you just feel um, that they're one drama away from it all blowing up again but equally they could go and win seven out of seven i think the classique is the next game isn't it after the international break i think i want to say that is let me double check that i think it is uh
2: it is it is coming out very soon i think it's on the 10th maybe
0: uh, Paris National Mike Mar- yes indeed it's the 13th of September so it's the first game back after the internationals at the PDP so um, that will probably give us a better understanding of where Marseille are in terms of where their squad is and in terms of what sort of challenge if any they're going to put up against the big boys and albeit that'll be PSG's only their second game because they're in action um, against Lons the Thursday before that game so
2: um, I guess also say- <laughs> worth mentioning that the um- the news today seems to be that Paredes, Di Maria and Neymar have all tested positive for COVID. So yeah. at least, well, I don't know which of them, depending on how long the quarantine is and when it starts, will be missing that match.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Neymar's the big one, is it? Has that been confirmed now? Because I know there's a bit of... Dispute. I'm not
2: sure it has. I'm no. following it closely because it means you might miss mess as well.
0: <laughs> Naturally, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, good good game for the neutral, as, as the hipsters would say. And um, i say, coming out with the win. As I say, press. I think they'll be all right this year. I think they've got enough, um, but obviously not the, not the start of the season they would have wanted. Uh, final game, we just want to touch on in a little bit more depth. And, and I'll just get a sentence from you both on this one. Now, uh, Jazz, I'll start with you. Strasbourg nil, Nice 2. Caspar Dahlberg with a double in this particular game. Um, I felt, again,. Strasbourg, once again, as they did on the opening day with Lorient, looked like a side that, that was still settling. They, they didn't sort of look fully up to speed and they're still missing a few players and, and all the excuses that go with it. So, you know, unfortunate for them. I also feel like they're going to be one of those clubs that's going to suffer without without uh, a full stadium and that, you know, it's, it's not quite as hospitable as it, as it could be if, if they've had a full house. Um, but it's Nice I kind of want to focus on in this game because. Quietly, I think Patrick Vieira is doing a pretty good job with the squads. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on uh, on what's happening on the uh, on the Riviera there, and, and and in terms of what you see Vieira building here, because there's a lot of young talents there, which can be really great on its day, can also come apart of the seams in certain games. Dante and in probably the two experienced ones in that group. What what do you make of Nice at the moment?
2: Uh... Part of me feels it's a little bit too early to say, but so far I feel like it's been more of the same as last year. Like Nice qualified for Europe. That's, I guess, in a way, the bottom line. And, and probably that was all, you know, that was Vieira's remit at worst last year. Um, he managed it. A lot of the time it was very unimpressive. It came down to an injury time goal in what turned out to be the last match of the season. Um, and arguably it sort of spared Vieira's blushes because a lot of the time Nice just weren't very good. In these two matches, I think they've done okay and they've played some reasonable build-up stuff and Schneidlin's settling in okay and they have got a few new players that need to bed in and they scored two goals in each match, both of them... In both matches, their their two main striker, each of their two main strikers scored a brace. So in theory, all of that looks very good. On the other side of it, they've scored with their only four goals on target. So there as well, you can say, well, that's one hundred percent efficiency. You, you, that's perfection. Or you can say they've only had four shots on target against not the greatest opposition in the world. So. Uh, I mean everything depends on, on how you want to look at it. If as as all the new players settle in and he's bringing in, I don't know, for example, like Silvestre playing on the on the on the right of the attack this week, which was which was a sort of eyebrow raiser, but he did a good job and Greary obviously coming in and everyone all eyes on him from after his move into Lyon and can he play on the left rather than in the middle? And he's certainly doing a very good job so far and you know, although that he was sort of held to long, it was a lovely pass to to Dolberg for for Nice's second um considering there's all those all the newbies and everything to get used to six points out of six is the perfect start but at some point I think everyone's going to be wanting a little bit more from Nice um, better football more dominant performances so kind of the same as last year you sort of Without wanting to bring it back to Brighton, I think there are a lot of Brighton fans who felt Chris Hewton kept keeping us up by the skin of our teeth and, and um, maybe we he would have been, some people wanting, wanted to get rid of him earlier because of the poor football but you sort of couldn't argue with the fact that he was fulfilling his mission I think it's a bit like that as long as Nisa nice are winning matches and qualifying for Europe then in some ways it's hard to complain but it does feel like Vieira should be doing a hell of a lot more with the team that he's got
0: yeah yeah it's sort of like a work in progress that we may only be able to fully uh, appreciate or criticize come mid to latter stage of the season I guess it's kind of one of
2: those which I is like fair, that. but we said all the same things last year. Last year,
0: yeah, that, that that is, and that is the caveat. Um, and and one thing about this game as well, very booking heavy. I think I think um, Nice will be receiving a fine uh, because they received, uh, I think it was six yellow cards in the end. I think they were all in the, first half, them, in the right? first half. Five in the first half. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Five in the. Or was it? No, no. Yes, you're right. Five in the first half, and Dolberg was. In fact, actually, Dolberg's might have been in the first Anyway, there were six bookings. It was a bit nuts. Um, but uh, yeah, a little bit of an edge to them. Impressed, film with, with Nice in terms of just on the, the very small sample size?
1: Well, this was on where it wasn't so much last year, but do you remember a couple of seasons back where they went out of the blocks like a bomb and had like a 20, 25% conversion rate? by November which is ludicrous Mm. Uh, they got overhauled obviously but um, they were the the shining light of the first half of that season and just the thing where I thought it was they'd had seven shots on target but that might be shots total because they did keep banging on about it um, from the Canal Plus uh, commentary if you're gonna get four goals or seven shots that is good as Jess says if you're only getting four shots on target that's not sustainable but yes you look at this and Strasbourg had six shots to niece's three and and lost two two nil so are oh, it's like are niece doing that thing again but it is way too early to say that but I just think it's Interesting that they have hopped up there this early with those kind of numbers because you're thinking they have done this before, mm. um, uh, at what point they revert to the mean will be you know whatever um, but yeah it's interesting to have somebody up there being a little bit unexpected, yeah uh, unlike you know the other teams are playing much as we'd imagine them yeah um, so I think it is nice to have a little bit of a curveball in there and long may it continue yeah yeah very much so uh,
0: just one other thing I wanted to touch on um very briefly and, and I do mean briefly so um <laughs> I'll, I'll put the clock on you here Um, Bordeaux I mentioned them earlier on I just wanted to quickly touch on them they they won 2-0 at Angers they were fairly comfortable in this game Um, defensively pretty solid obviously the opening game of the season they drew 0-0 with Nantes where again first game of the season you can't judge too much are you um, where do you sort of stand on what's happened with um, them? Jean-Louis Gasset in charge now I just kind of want to get your feelings on whether you think that they're one of the biggies that will have a really struggled season or do you think they'll surpass expectation actually when things settle down a bit might kick on Europa League style this year? I know we touched on it last week, but...
2: Uh, I think probably somewhere in between. I think got, everyone there has got to be reassured by the fact that Gasset is in charge, I think. Um, well, he's a grown-up, isn't he? There's been a lot of kids running the show, well not kids but amateurs, um, running running the show both um, sort of in the dugout and behind the scenes at Bordeaux in the last couple of years. And I think although the summer's been extremely uh, unsettled there and there's still lots of issues and fans are still pretty pissed off with things, um, they sort of had four or five public enemies and I think most of them have left now. And the fact that Gasset is is running things on the pitch, it's going to make a huge difference. So, I don't. I still don't think it's the greatest squad. I still personally wouldn't want to rely on Josh Major to score all my goals for me. But you know, when you've got a mixture of Houdin and, and De Preville and and Briand there as well, you'd hope that there should be enough goals around the team. Um, so I don't think they're going to struggle. Um, And I do think possibly dark horses for Europa League, but I, yeah, I basically put most of that down to the fact that I've got a lot of faith in Gasday. The rest of the rest of the club I'm not so sure about at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, just one of of those, isn't it? I just, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm keeping a very close eye on them, uh, but we shall see. Speaking of close eyes, um, we'll, um, we'll move away from league there. And, um, Phil, this is your moment to, to bask in the glory of, of Leon's women's
1: side. Wow. Well, uh, did indeed the, win the big one. Yeah. Last season has actually finished, people. At long last, there, there, there was overlap. There were, we don't know what day of the week it is, but yes, the final game of uh, the twenty nineteen twenty 20 season was played on Sunday night, which was the Women's Champions League final between Wolfsburg, the Bundesliga champions, and OL, the obviously Devon champions. And OL won 3-1. Now, this is the fourth time these two have met in the final so they're two big big names in in women's football but this is now for ol their seventh title their fifth in a row and it was still a very interesting game uh what we saw um we've said repeatedly in the past that uh wendy renner the center back uh, captain of ol and centre-back for France is not so much a defender as an attacker who starts from further away. And she had uh, two chances in like the first 10 minutes that really kind of put the the shakers uh, under Wolfsburg. Usually um, Lozama, they're recently married. Uh, congratulations to her. Um, scored on the 25th minute with Pouncing on a rebound from her own shot, uh, showing her dogged determination, and then there was an absolutely lovely shot from Sakikumagai, uh, the um, midfielder, uh, just before half time to kind of really dampen the Wolfsburg spirits. It it was beautifully struck. It went round Alexander Pop, defensive midfield, and pass girl keep it right into the corner and what was really interesting i thought was when you watch leon especially recently it's been the left side which has been the one that scares the shit out of you um basher at left back particularly majri um playing left wing or left wing back and then maybe lazoma ahead of her but this time it was the right side that was the really threatening space and delphine cascarino was superb throughout at right wing absolutely dogged determination really really smart decisions great crosses in and just so much work being done that when you had Masri on the other side as well this really did um put um, Wolfsburg into a difficult situation just after half time they did come back they looked like they'd had a bit of a talking to in the uh in the halftime dressing room and made Life a little more difficult for well and then um Alexandra Pop, who is kind of the Wendy Renner of Wolfsburg. She's a defensive midfielder, but she's tall, she's tough, and she's very good in the air. Um she scored after there was a behadi spill, she kind of crashed into Buchanan, and it was a bit of a mix-up. So Owell were wobbling a Bit. And then there was a really nasty clash between uh, Sarah Bohadi and Wolfo uh, um, With about 10 minutes to go But Bohadi possibly should not have continued But stood up, shook herself off and did And then um Stottir got the third goal um, With two minutes to go With an unfortunate error from uh, the Wolfsburg goalkeeper Abt or in Abt uh, you might say it's a little French joke there with the kind of back heel volley thing, which was uh, very cool. So it was 3-1 to OL. So they have now won 4-1 against Wolfsburg just in finals. And they have their fifth in a row. And it was really um, just showing up that they are prop the best club side in the world. In shots terms, it was 10 to Wolfsburg, 13 to Leon. On target, 1 7. They are just more accurate, more efficient, and better able to change things up. But Delphine Cascarino was definitely, uh, for me, woman of the match. Um, just her work rate and the efficiency and the uh, the smarts that she put into that was really cool. So uh, it was uh, it was a great way to finish the season, <laughs> <laughs> while the new season was already kicking off. But it was really uh, very impressive and five in a row. I mean,
0: that's, that's brilliant on any on any uh, yeah you know in any sport of any gender or anything really isn't it i mean it's right up there and and i think it has to be fair rightfully got a lot more coverage this week um there's been a couple of good articles written uh, that i've certainly come across that, that have highlighted the the achievement that this is and uh, and given it its praise and rightly so and um, and overall it's you know it's been a pretty good european season in terms of mm. of uh, of the men and the women's
1: i England think time. also having the you Know they had the same thing for the women's champions league as the men's champions league, they were all in, I think it was Bilbao, yeah. Um, yeah. and so being able to watch those matches kind of close together again because they were having to do you know the, the squad management. We had Lizoma up front this time for OL, well, whereas Nikita Paris played in a previous match, and then Lizoma come on. Obviously, I think Amandine Nomri, I think she was. Suspended for this game, which is why she wasn't there. So we saw a midfield of Kumagai and Gunnarsson here, which was actually a really nicely balanced midfield. Gunnarsson is a bit more um, proactive, shall we say, and Kumagai is a bit more organised. Thou shalt not pass. So it was um, really interesting seeing how they managed those situations. I think you're going to say, "Oh well." It's like when you say the bigger teams in the men's game, if they're going to be able to do five subs, it's going to uh, benefit the players, uh, benefit the teams with bigger squads. Oh, well, i have got a bigger squad. I mean, they're bringing Shanice van der Sanden. She's a Euro winner. She comes on for cameos because yeah. they've got so many players. So I think they really did uh, benefit maybe from that situation as well but it was very interesting seeing how that whole thing was organized and i wasn't expecting for example to see kashawi at left back um because i think she's a liability i was there in Breda in the euros um but they may have taken the decision we don't need to defend so it's fine to play and that's a risky decision to take against Wolfsburg. Um, yeah. So, it, but it was very interesting to see that kind of the, the pressure cooker environment of playing the knockout stages in you know a week and a half made it a very different feel of a tournament, which was very interesting
2: as well. Yeah. I think yeah. that um I think Henri was injured and it was Paris who was suspended. Uh, well, I knew somebody was suspended, but I couldn't remember who it was. But I think I think it as you said, I think it says a lot about the strength and depth that lyon have got. And I know that obviously Olas is a is a kind of um controversial figure in, in the men's game and I know even in the women's game he's kind of put his foot in it a couple of times, but you've got to give him huge credit, I think, mm. for uh, the support that he's given um, the Lyon's women's team, and, and um, I saw someone sort of mention, you know, that Olas was there, and he was talking about the bonuses they were getting. And um, I, as far as I know, Al Khalifi was nowhere to be seen for, for PSG's matches, and I think maybe that as well shows mm. it's not just the investment in terms of money, but also oh,
1: Al um, Khalifi turned up when they were in the final, but okay. other than that no Um, yeah yeah, I think um, obviously Olas Olas kind of followed ironically followed on from um, Lulu Nicolain was um, possibly the first club owner to really get behind the women's team of a club and make it a single club with men's and women's teams but obviously Lyon being a bigger club and having more resources they were deployed Better. So I think you, you could possibly say the pioneer was, Lulu was was there as well with Olas, but Olas had more of the material ability to do it. But he did do it, which is, um, you know, something that is uh, very impressive. And look, look at the, you know, silverware that it has garnered. It does work, so uh, maybe something with for with, with other clubs to have a look at, at. Real Madrid, Manchester United,
2: with a big mm. turnover of managers as well.
1: Yeah, that that
0: that's something that isn't always highlighted uh, in terms of the game as well. I, I find it that the, the, the only one th- I think the only one downside to this um, to the Women's Champions League there was. Um, there was a, a bit of a sort of an issue with a lot of people got quite upset about a journalist who was interviewing a Wolfsburg player, I believe, after a game. Um, forgive me, I didn't actually catch the the name of the player. I, I, I need to look that up. It's just suddenly come to me now where he was essentially sort of pressing this player and saying, you know, so you are going to play in England then. So you are going to come to the WSL. So you are going to sign then. And it, and it was sort of very... His tone was sort of very aggressive in terms of that. I think a lot of people were quite upset and saying, would this happen in the men's game? Um,
1: well, then it's, wanna... it's it's you know, oh, it's the best league in the world. Player, yeah, you know? Fair enough. If it's equality that uh, journalists are now standing for the WSL in the same crankpot way they do for the Premier League, then maybe that is equality, whatever. Mm. Yeah, I know. I,
0: I was uncomfortable with how the how the reporter pressed, but I also felt that some people sort of jumped on it a little bit, as if to say, "Well, this wouldn't happen in the men's game." And I sort of thought, "Well, some journalists ask some pretty
1: stupid, stupid, questions. stupid questions in the men's game." Yeah, exactly. I think you just de- if you're dealing with people being pricks, then. That's just the way it is, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the party.
0: And they don't so. usually last long, journalists, of that description, so less said the better.
1: Anyway, um,
0: congratulations to Lyon, of course, and, um, yeah, as you say, the, I think the WSL, in terms of the English game, gets underway again this weekend, so the French mm. game might be too far behind. Oh,
1: the the Community Shield, which I yes. obviously couldn't watch, because, you know, overseas, but that yeah. sounded like it was fun as well
0: yeah it's all kicking off again we've got uh, men's action women's action it's
1: all coming back
0: um a little bit of men's action that we to be honest we're not going to go deep um on on france this week mainly because because I...
1: I only just realized it was <laughs> an international
0: What like, the fuck is this and i think i think Joe <sighs> and i did it a fairly good amount of justice last week in terms of the squad and whatnot so we'll just remind our listeners that Sweden are up first on Saturday. Um, I was amazed to find that uh, that um, uh, Seb Larsson is still in the Swedish national squad. Uh, at The grandad age is 35. Yes, indeed. Yeah, not Henrik. but uh, Okay, yeah. fair enough. But yes, uh, he is still playing and he's playing in Sweden. So it's quite an achievement. But yeah, France uh, play Sweden on Saturday and then they follow up with Croatia on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I really don't think international football should be being played right now. I really am uncomfortable with it, but it is what it is. Um, and I would would suggest fans will be looking for wins in both of those games, depending upon what side they pick. I think Deshawn has hinted at some rotation in terms of the players that were involved in the last stages of the European finals. Although can out we play
1: Jack Grealish?
0: Um, no, because England. Who cares? Um, But point taken Because I'd have him in there as well But yeah, England Uh, Just to finish off this week's pod uh, We've just got sort of two minutes So, uh, Jez, I'm just going to hand over to you Because we're not going to sort of go too deep Into transfers because there's still a lot going on But there's uh, quite a a lot of uh, Links going here and there We touched on Geoffrey and Adelaide uh, Potentially looking to depart Lyon Kind of covered that one PSG are starting to um, the media machine is starting to get behind them in terms of players they're linked with. Hector Bellerin is one that leaps off the page for me, uh, for obvious reasons with the Arsenal connections. But also, that if they're looking at um, if they're looking at kicking on to be, you know, the team that actually goes all the way in the Champions League, I think Hector is an, is probably an upgrade on on what they've got available at right back at the moment in terms of not really having particularly too much at right back if you don't associate Ilkay Kera as one, but. As much as I love Heckey B and I do, I, I don't see him as a player that you sign if you're looking to win a Champions League. Do, do you know what I mean? Is this a bit of a weird one for you, or is it a smokescreen in order for them to to approach other bigger targets?
2: No, it's very weird for me. And that that's why I wanted to to talk to sort of bring it up, because I thought maybe you're seeing something that I'm not, um, as you're as you're seeing better and more regularly. I mean, I, I still think that that PSG team that, that got to the final is still, for me, both in terms of midfield and certainly right-back, arguably both full-backs, although I think maybe that's a bit of a disservice to Bernard, a pretty, av- not average, but certainly not the best in Europe um, team. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think there needs to be more quality in that midfield. Um, Verratti at his best with his mouth shut, OK, but otherwise... As good as Paredes is, he's still a sort of workaday. Gay, I don't think, is, is at his best anymore. Marquinhos is great, but should be in defence. Um, so I think the midfield needs a lot of work. And yeah, right back, which seems to have been a problem for the whole of the QSI era, re- re- really. I, I Clearly, I'm in a minority, or certainly when it comes to BSG fans, they don't agree, but I've never really seen what the issue with is with Meunier. I thought he was a decent enough defender, good yeah. going forward. All right, not the greatest defender, but I don't think there are many great fullbacks anymore. That said, there must be better fullbacks around than Bellerin. And I don't see... I mean, again, I think Kera probably is should be a centre-back, if anything, rather than a, a fullback. Yeah. And maybe that's why he's, he's kind of affected a little bit. But to me, Bellerin is, is no upgrade at all on... Maybe on Kera, but certainly not on Munia. And I'm surprised that they pushed so hard to get rid of him, mm. even sort of offloading him before the Champions League campaign was over, if it's only to replace him with Bellerin, who, again, I think is he's quick. He's good going forward. I'm still not convinced about him defensively. I think he's injury-prone. Mm. Um, well, he unless it's injury. something to do with the latest sort of fashion tie in the PSG. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: good for that. Definitely good for that, yeah. And he's and he's not... He's Again, I love the guy, but he hasn't come back to the levels he had pre-ACL, which is not his fault, don't get it wrong, that's a serious injury, but there is noticeably... A you know a shortage in the pace he, he showed in the FA Cup final He's still got a burst of acceleration but it's not the quick nimble sort of fallback that you would mm. anticipate PSG
1: will be looking at right now well, in my they, opinion they, anyway. they were playing Sergio there a bit I mean yeah I mean there is and that. the thing is uh, Colin Dagba is available
0: yeah exactly I would like to see him basically play.
1: their best right back is currently playing in defensive midfield because. Ah.
0: I I just I just think if you're going to play if PSG want to want to improve sort of you know in into europe you Bayern Munich is is the staple in in what they've got in Alphonso Davies that that's the sort of player you want a guy with limitless potential a physical specimen, a guy who but can... I don't think he's you know, a very
2: good defender either. How no, many no, no, I, I no. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's the biggest issue PSG have, have got to overcome. It's do you want to sign a defender or do you want to sign an attacking fullback? And that's... If you're going to keep Marquinhos in holding midfield and you get two solid centre-halves, which, by the way, they now don't have again... Um, oh, God. Then, but no, you know, I mean,
1: basically, what would be less sexy but possibly more useful would be to have a Burnett who plays on the right. Mm. Yeah, a, a, a because quality... he does both. Yeah. You know? Or or I'm just trying fashioned. You know Or just I'm... try
0: and sign a, a player who's who's breaking through in that position. I mean, you know, Nelson or, was or missed out on although back. he's had a shocker. but Yeah, I, I yeah, I I do I do wonder about whether PSG will learn their lesson in terms of the amount of players that they've let go and have bit them in the <laughs> I was bottom. about to say, yeah. Um... <laughs>
1: try try to play someone who will not kill your dreams in a Champions League final in the next yeah. three
2: years. And, don't and forget not... I don't blame Kara at all for that. I think no, 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 the... no,
1: no, no. I was talking about uh, the Coman situation.
0: Yeah, and 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 Kara Ker- is a is actually a very talented young central defender, but I just don't think he's ever been. Yes, or he's will a ever talented a
1: central defender, exactly, which yeah. is possibly you know yeah. not his fault.
0: And 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 throughout all this, Levan Kazawa is still a PSG player. By the way,
1: um, seriously? Yeah, was This given is an another ex- one of those I did been not He's been given know. an
0: extension. Got a new deal. That was quite recent as well, wasn't
1: it? After yeah. all the talk it's of him leaving. Is this the so. international break and and yeah, there's yeah, too no, many things that ago. I've not been told about and I'm lost. Yeah. No, this this one was uh,
0: just said uh, There's a, I think this one was a couple of weeks ago, but it sort of slid under the. Uh, under the carpet um, quietly but yeah it does it does seem like a bit of an odd one Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk more transfers Uh, Lille are currently trying to sell the carpet from their office as well so they'll want to keep an eye on well we'll have
1: to because it's an international break so yeah we've got to find
0: something Um, (laughs) but yeah they're the other ones Uh, I think their uh, chairman has come out tonight and said that uh, they've got concrete offers and they are willing to do business Where have we heard that before Um, Gabrielle can Completed his move to Arsenal yesterday. Obviously, Pepe went last summer, so on and so forth. The only other one that I thought was worth picking out is that uh, Gomes has signed a new contract um, to stay in Liga, which probably stops him going to Chelsea, because I think they were linked with him as well as Mike Magnon, um, which might still continue, but Chelsea are obviously after Mendy,
2: Gomes.
0: The, Mendy. Mendy. Sorry, not Gomes. Sorry, you're right. It's, it's, um, uh, I
1: was very... Isn't Gomes in Turkey at the moment?
0: He's no, no. Yeah, as in the Dijon Dijon goalkeeper. Yeah, Dijon goalkeeper. Yeah, not not well, Baffertimby. Yeah. Baffertimby still having a lovely time in in. Uh, isn't he
1: in Saudi, wasn't he in Saudi Arabia? Oh, you see, this is I should not go on holiday because <laughs> I just forget. Everything is
0: happening. He, he he's been he's been here, there, and everywhere. He'll come back to League Arts at some point. You can guarantee it. Borak Yilmaz is here, so you know the doors are open. Anyway, um, we'll we'll cover. I say we'll cover that as well as a look back at France's performances next week, which gives you a little hint into when we're probably going to record next week. It'll probably be be after Tuesday, so probably be Wednesday or Thursday next week. I would imagine. So uh, obviously, if there's anything that um, that piques your eye. Uh, or your ear that you want to ask us. uh, Drop us a tweet or send us a carrier pigeon and we'll do our best to answer those questions. Uh, We're not going to cover the league tables or anything like that because two
1: games. They're on the website. They're on the website. You can just go there. You can also uh, look because the Coupe de France has actually started again. I think it was three months ago, to be fair. Uh, So John Mainland has... Has a piece on the preliminary rounds which you can check out on the website as well as all of the league tables
0: good times good times right
1: uh we'll leave it there then um my
0: thanks to both phil and jez for your time this weekend uh thank you very much this week thank this you. weekend what is it i don't know is it a weekend uh, it a what
1: week? day is it chris um, what day is it bloody knows at this point but yes thank you both
0: <laughs> uh, thank you jez as well no problem And uh, we will be back, as I say, next week to have a look at France in their beautiful new kits. And they are very beautiful. Uh, Right. I'm off to empty my wallet. No, I'm not. I can't afford them. But until then, uh, enjoy your international French football and all of the transfers. And we'll be back to piece our way through it next week. Au revoir.